Welcome to our horror movie review podcast. We like spooky stuff and we're going to talk about it. Every week we will be reviewing new, old, and classic horror movies. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Today we'll be talking about The Platform, or El Hoyo. El Hoyo is a Spanish science fiction horror thriller directed by Galder Gastelu Urrutia and released in 2019. Here is the Wikipedia synopsis. The film is set in a large, tower-style, vertical self-management center where the residents, who are periodically switched at random between its many floors, are fed by a platform, initially filled with food that gradually descends through the levels. It is a system bound to cause conflict, as the residents at the top level can eat as much as they can, leaving increasingly little for those below. It goes without saying, but this is a spoiler warning. Spoiler, spoiler, there will be lots of spoilers during our discussion of this movie. Here's Danielle with a short summary of the plot. Alright, so we open up the movie with uh, our main character, Goring. He wakes up in platform level uh, 48. He is roommates with a character named Trimagazi, and they uh, bond a little bit throughout the time they stay on a platform for a month. So they bond for like a month. Trimagazi answers uh, questions for Goring, so he's not completely clueless of what's going on. Um, every day, a little platform comes down the middle of their room to where they grab food that has been eaten off of from above, and then it goes down to the next level and so on and so forth for the rest of the levels that's in the building. After months, they wake up in a new level. They are in level 171, and Goring wakes up tied up to his bed with uh, Trimagazi saying that after a certain amount of days, he's going to chop some meat off of him so that he doesn't starve and that he will feed some of Goring's leg to Goring so that he doesn't starve as well. Uh, Goring's not happy about this. After a few days, Trimagazi does, in fact, use his... Uh, he has a knife. He has, like, a knife that he calls a Samurai Plus. And he uses that to chop off a bit of Goring's leg. While he's in the middle of doing that, a character that has been mentioned a little bit earlier, her name is Mi Miharu, she comes down on the little platform... And she jumps off and attacks uh, Trimagazi and kills him. Well, he is bleeding out, but then Goring comes and kills him, ultimately. Goring is basically in there for a month, like, hallucinating, seeing Trimagazi's, like, ghost. And he's eating bits of him as the month goes by so he doesn't die. So after the month in level 171... Goring wakes up in level 33 with a woman named Imagiri. She, we find out, is the one who interviewed Goring to come into the hole, the platforms. He came in voluntarily. Not Other people were kind of forced to come in here. She comes in with her dog, and she chooses to be in the, in the room with him in his level, I guess. After a little while of them talking and whatever, Miharu comes down on the platform again because she comes down once a month to try and find her lost child. Goring takes her off the platform because she's injured and they treat her wounds, I guess. She wakes up and kills Imagiri's dog and that kind of makes uh, Imagiri snap. The next month that they get moved, Goring wakes up 
They're in level 202. So level 202, she hangs herself, and so he survives off of eating her for a month, and now he has her ghost and Trimagazi's ghost haunting him. The next month he wakes up, he's in level 6, and he has a roommate named Baharat, and he's trying. Baharat's trying to use his rope that he brought in to go up higher and leave through level 0, but that doesn't work out. After a few days, I believe he... Goring comes to Bahara and convinces him to go down the platform with him and help ration out food so that people in the very lower levels can get food. They end up finding out that it's way more levels than they were expecting. They thought there was going to be 250. It ends up stopping at level 333. This level, um, they find the lost child that Miharu is looking for. Goring uh, has the little girl... The child that is in level 333 go onto the platform and he gets off in the very bottom level below 333 where it's just an all black room. And then the movie ends with the little girl going up on the platform to level zero. I would assume that the movie is set in Spain because that's where the movie was made and they don't really talk too much about where it's taking place as far as what's happening outside of the platform. Goring is a protagonist. He seems to be someone, at least in the beginning, that holds his beliefs very firmly and always aims to do the right thing, um, especially as he kind of realizes what is going on in the platform and kind of how it operates. Um, obviously, as the movie progresses, it changes what he holds as like a priority, obviously, because the the circumstances are very extreme, so obviously it changes his priorities. I thought that the antagonist was, like, the administration and the whole. The whole is, like, conditioning the people inside or, like, the prisoners or whatever to um, become feral and savage. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I thought that the administration is probably using the whole as some kind of, like, population control, but it's lying to the outside world so that people will still want to keep going there. And um, it, that they're even lying to the employees, like uh, the lady Imogiri. I don't know if I'm, I'm probably not pronouncing it very good. But she, like, was, like, swore to uh, Goring that, like, they there was no children there, that, like... This program was supposed to be good and like promote solidarity, but everybody's just being feral and savage. Imogiri is somebody who, uh, in the beginning, or I guess not really in the beginning, but throughout the movie, it is revealed that she is uh, the person who interviewed Goring before he entered the hole or the platform or whatever you want to call it. Um, and then eventually in the movie, he she ends up being somebody that he is on the same level with. And she, like Danielle said, reveals some information of what she thinks is true about why people are being put in the hole. Um, but I actually hadn't given any thought as to why the hole existed. The only thing that I thought was like to serve as a prison, especially because uh, Goring's first cellmate or whatever um said that he was there because he killed someone so i thought about it as like a prison but i think it totally 
could be the case, like you said, that it's some sort of like population control and a lot of information is being withheld to the like outside world about what is going on in the whole. Um, for I thought, like you, I thought there was no like there isn't one clear antagonist, like the antagonist or the thing that causes the conflict in the story is the whole and is like the imprisonment of the people and kind of like how unfair the whole system is for the people who are at the lowest levels. I think that the conflict, <laughs> the obvious conflict is um, that there's not enough food and too many selfish people, which when you think about it, it's probably supposed to be like showing that this is how the world works, like the rich people who are higher up in society get to eat and not worry, but people who are lower down don't get like anything and they get shit on and killed mm -hmm. and nobody cares unless they and everyone just wants to get to the top. Yeah. Yeah, obviously I think I think there's a lot of like you know things in the movie as you're watching you kind of start to realize that it's a lot more than what it's being presented as. I thought that, like, kind of like Danielle said, the superficial conflict is being stuck in the hole and trying to figure out, like, how it operates. While at the same time for Goring, who is the main character, he's trying to figure out how, to op how it operates and how to survive at the same time. I think that a lot of the movie deals with uh, a moral dilemma for him. You know, once he realizes once he realizes how many levels there are or that there are more than he thought um, or just the fact that people at the lowest levels don't get anything at all, any food at all. Um, he's trying to figure out how to, you know, help out, how to make it better for those at the lower levels while at the same time trying to survive and not starve himself. And also just trying to keep his sanity and not go insane because there's several moments in the movie that portray him as like kind of losing his mind, imagining things and just being in a really dark place, especially compared to where he was in the beginning of the movie. Um, also, he talks about like he was there voluntarily. He didn't do anything bad. Um, like his first... Uh, cellmate who killed someone. It was an accident, but he still killed someone. Um, so yeah, it kind of uh, deals with some of that, some more deep stuff that we'll get into, but basically the basic conflict of the movie is just trying to, you know, our, the main character is trying to figure out how the whole operates and how to survive in it. I think another conflict that drives the story as well and it's kind of like a B plot is the story of the woman looking for her child. So Miharu is somebody who comes down with the platform of food and basically once a month checks every level because she is looking for her child, for her lost child. Um, and this is somebody that Goring creates a connection with. He I think he sees her as, like, somebody that he could help in a really crappy situation. Like, on top of being stuck in the hole, also missing your child. Um, so that's kind of like a B-plot, too, that um, 
doesn't completely drive the story, but it does come in and out here and there. And at the end, it ties into the story. It ends up being a resolution for the entire story, including Goring's story. So I thought that was interesting. Um, There's a lot of symbolism that happens in the movie, like I mentioned before. There's some things that are, like, very obvious, jumped out to me as stuff that I should take note of. One of the things that I thought might mean something is that... Oh, yeah. Kind of like what you said already, so I don't know if I should say it again. Just that people at the top are holding... People at the top are... get to be the ones that eat everything, and then, you know, there's less for the poor and more for the rich, so that's a very obvious kind of like use of symbolism there something that is a little bit different though than like obviously i think that's what the movie was trying to get at was like people at the top are richer and they could have more than the people at the bottom but at the same time there's a whole dynamic in the movie that has to do with them switching randomly and you know being at the very bottom one month and then being closer to the top another month i feel like that's kind of where that you know piece of symbolism ends because it doesn't really get to be like that for people in life who are poor and people in life who are rich for the most part if you're poor you tend to stay poor and if you're rich you tend to stay rich unless you know i don't know something you gamble all your money away at the casino invest in some guy that's gonna save your tiger um (laughs) (laughs) your tiger place (laughs) you end up in jail (laughs) But even then, I feel like it's, you know, it's very unlikely. So yeah. that's not, I think that's as far as the, this kind of like, you know, wealth disparity symbolism moment goes. Um, something else that there's a scene in the movie, something else that I thought had some more symbolism to it. And it's a pretty brutal scene. If you're, you know, if you have a weak stomach, I mean, if you have a weak stomach, this is probably not the movie for you. no. I'm not into, like, super gory stuff, but I was able to watch a good part of it. There were moments, I will admit, where I had to cover my eyes because I don't like to see, you know, you know, chunks of flesh, dead animals, all that stuff. But there's a moment in the scene where um, they're, uh, Goring is at a pretty high level. I think he's at level six. And he has a cellmate who is very adamant He's a black guy, and he's very adamant about, you know, leaving and climbing up to the top. He's like, oh, I'm so close to the top. I want to try to get out of here, you know? And they're at level six, so he asks the people in level five if they could help him out. He has a rope. Everyone everyone who goes into the hole can bring one thing with them. So he had a rope so that he could try to climb up, which is kind of interesting. How did he have the foresight to bring a rope? I don't know. Whatever. Um, (laughs) uh, And so he, like, tries to get the people above him, who is a couple, and they seem like, you know, it's a white couple at the top of, and, you know, and then he has a rope and he's trying to be like, can you help me out? I just, you know, I just want to pass through. I want to get to the top level. And they're like, sure, we'll help you. And he throws the rope and they grab it and he starts climbing up the rope and they... (laughs) <laughs> they literally just shit on his they face they literally take a dump on him well the the lady does and then you know they let him fall and so I thought like you know that was very obvious to me that that meant more than it than it was represented to be like 
you know, a black man has to ask, you know, the white people above him to help him and achieve whatever goal he has. And they end up not helping him and letting him fall and literally taking a crap on him. So I was like, damn, it was a little bit on the nose. But at the same time, it was like an interesting, it kind of went with the whole, like the rest of the, the symbolism in the movie, I think. Yeah. That's all I have for symbolism. I know you have more things. Take it away, Neil. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Um, when you were talking, I thought about that uh, some people say, like, when they're in debt, that, like, oh, I'm in the hole or something. And then I was thinking, oh, he's supposed to be getting a degree when he gets out. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is, like, putting himself in debt voluntarily to get a degree when he comes out. Mm-hmm. And then... There's other people that are in there for, like, crimes and stuff. And so it's kind of interesting that it's, like, seems to be a place where everyone's going if they have something bad happening. Or, like, I guess the guy's not having anything bad happening technically, but, like, that he's in debt or something. And that's why he's in there is that he has debt. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, the lady, uh, Im- Imogiri, she had cancer, and she was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going in the hole. So Goring brought uh, Don Quixote, the book, into with him to go into the hole, and uh, Imagiri, she had been working there for like a very long time, like with the administration that puts people in the hole, mm-hmm. and she was saying that like nobody in the 25 years that she worked there or whatever... Um, ever brought a book. They always brought weapons and stuff. So I thought that was kind of interesting that he's, like, literally the first person to ever think to bring a book. But I guess that could be also that some people don't voluntarily go in there. But I think it's also interesting that they give people stuff even if they're not voluntarily choosing to go in there. They still give them something to go in with. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's interesting that he brought the book. I also uh, looked into some of the numbers for, like, uh, possible possible significance for why they chose those numbers. Um, I used... I literally just typed into Google significance of, and then I put the number I was looking for, and each time some website called angelnumber.org popped up with, like, a little blurb about what this number supposedly means or something, like, according to angel stuff or something um so you could take it with a grain of salt but um the first level that Goring wakes up on is uh level 48 and supposedly that level or I mean that number corresponds to like an angel like supporting your needs or something and I thought that could be like a symbolism for Trimagazi helping him and like teaching him like what was going on like the ways of like the food coming down um, and how things work, I guess. Uh, when I looked into if there's any significance with the number 33, the first result that pops up on Google shows that the number 33 is, uh, sort of linked with, like, secret societies. And level 33 is where Goring wakes up with Imagiri, and she works for the administration 
which is basically covering up all of this bad stuff that they're doing to the public. And six uh, is supposedly related to some sort of a compassion. Uh, and when he's on level six is when he decides that he wants to go down through all the levels and ration out the food. So I thought that was interesting. That kind of lines up. Um, and then the last level that he's on, which I thought was the most interesting, which is 333. That number supposedly is supposed to be like a guardian angel number. And that num that level is where the little girl is. And they keep saying throughout, like, the little girl is the message. Well, I guess before they're saying that the little... The panna cotta is the, the little panna cotta is the message. <laughs> and then at some point, they say that the dog is the message for, like, two seconds. I think it's when he was, like, hallucinating. <laughs> yeah. The dog is the message. No, it's not. Yeah. And so then the little girl is the message, and, uh... So maybe she's supposed to be, like, the guardian angel of that level that's gonna... Mm -hmm go up to level zero and show the people that, hey, there's a kid down here, like, what is yeah. going on? Um, yeah. It's interesting. Um, um, I thought that the Samurai Plus thing was, like, a jab to consumerism. Mm. Straight up, just like, oh, well, yeah, this people on the TV told me to buy this, and that my life, maybe my life would be better if I bought this stupid object that literally has nothing to do with anything that's useless. And then, like, a a little bit later, he finds the new updated version of that product, and he's like, oh, I have to get the the Thing Plus, which I was like, this reminds me of the iPhone and the iPhone Plus and the whatever fucking yep. stupid shit. It's like, okay. Um, That's a very good point. And he threw his TV out and killed someone because of it. So it's like he, he got put in the hole because of consumerism driving him crazy. Basically. Um, as far as, like, the visuals of the movie... I thought it was very well made, uh, very well directed. The I'm very intrigued, and I probably will look like for behind-the-scenes videos of how the set worked and how they made the platform work. I'm sure there's a lot of like uh, visual effects and stuff like that, but it was very like interesting. It was very captivating to see how the platform like kind of operated and kind of how they achieved that illusion in the movie um i think everyone was you know very uh well acted as well the score was um pretty minimal i there wasn't a lot of moments where it jumped out at me but i think it was kind of in line with all of the other production aspects of the movie it was more of a like character driven movie and the set was minimal, the music was minimal, so I think it kind of all went together. Um, I really highlighted the story itself and, of course, like the actors who were portraying the story. I really liked the actor for uh, Baharat. Mm -hmm. I just, I really felt connected to him, and I was, like, invested in him, and I was sad that he died. Yeah. But, I mean, he kind of had to, I guess, because otherwise he would have had to get off at the end with uh, Goring, and then Goring wouldn't be the focus of the like whatever uh, at some point uh imogiri called goring the uh shit messiah <laughs> and so um yeah so you couldn't be at the bottom being the shit messiah <laughs> saving everyone with the message of the little girl so right and i also i liked um 
Shimagazi because he was like he was kind of funny but in a way that like pissed me off sometimes but also it was just funny like the scene when they were um they were both stretching on the platform naked <laughs> and Gwen is just sitting there reading Don Quixote to him yeah I was wondering what how do you think you would act in the hole do you think you would eat somebody if you had to or would you jump down on the platform and ration out food because I don't think I would I don't think I would oh god I don't know um I don't I would like to think that I wouldn't eat anyone or at least not kill them to eat them maybe (laughs) if I'm put on like level like 300 and there's like absolutely no food and my cellmate happens to die of natural causes I don't know how, but I might take a nibble or two. <laughs> what item would you bring? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm wondering, how did all these people know to bring weapons? That's what like, I was going to say, too. It seems like they don't really know what they're getting themselves into when they go in the hole. Right. Unless they do know somehow, and then Goring's just a fucking idiot for wanting to go in there. Maybe they never told them, I don't know. Maybe. Um, I mean, obviously, like... I have the uh, the perspective of the movie, so I would say that I'd bring a weapon if I knew how shitty it was going to be in there and I had to go there. Um, I don't know what kind of weapon I would bring. Maybe I would bring, like, a an axe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't think that I would... Going back to the other question about how I would be if I were on the platform... I think I would definitely be one of the people who ate what they needed to eat only and didn't, you know, overeat. But I don't know. It's a very wild scenario. It's a very crazy concept. Mm-hmm. How about you? So, I, I definitely do not think I'd be one of the people jumping on the platform to try and ration stuff out because I don't... I'm not strong. I'm not intimidating. Like, I'd be like, hey, um... I think you guys should be nice and not eat today, so somebody else can. Oh, you're getting your ass kicked. Yeah, they just rip me down from that by my hair and slice my head off or something. I don't know. Um, um, I do not think I would eat somebody. Um, I definitely wouldn't kill somebody to eat them. I'd rather jump off the platform before I would kill somebody. Um, That's good. But That makes me feel safe. <laughs> But, um, I guess maybe if I was, like, starving, like you said, if you're on, like, the low, low, low platform level, and there's a dead body happens to fall in your room, I guess I would maybe think about giving it a nibble, but, like, it just sounds so gross to me. I feel like I would try to eat it and I would throw up. Like, I don't know how hungry you'd have to be to do that. I feel like you would have to be pretty darn hungry. I feel like... I would, like, probably, like, starve to death or, like, pass out and die or something. I don't know. I feel like it would be a very... I don't know. I don't know. I I have no idea. But... What about um, weapon? What weapon would you bring? I mean, what would you bring? (laughs) No, what weapon would you have to bring it? Um, It doesn't have to be a weapon. I mean, it probably wouldn't last long enough that, like, the whole month, like, like, let's say if I magically had some sort of object that could play music for infinitely long, I would bring that, probably. 
Um, it wouldn't be very helpful, but um, at least I think it would help me not to lose my sanity as much if I could have music, because I feel like music is something I would not be able to live without. If I knew that I needed to bring a weapon, uh, I'd probably bring like a sword or something so that I can have distance so I don't have to get up close and like worry about them like overpowering me with my little knife or something. So something with distance, but something that's not just like blunt force, something that would cut so that I'm, yeah. cause I'm not super strong to whack the shit out of somebody. <laughs> but I can, I can poke them with the, with the sharp stick yeah. sword. <laughs> I stand by an axe if I knew that I was supposed to bring a weapon. Mm-hmm. If I didn't know that I was supposed to bring a weapon, I would bring my Nintendo Switch <laughs> so I could play Animal Crossing. <laughs> what was your least favorite scene in the movie? It is a tie between the dog dying and uh, Baharat getting shot on because that really made me upset. Yeah, that was very upsetting. Those stupid fuckers on level 5. I have the... Those are both bad i just put the dog because i don't i don't like to see dying animals and then also just anything that was like super graphic i'm not super like cutting like, his leg open to yeah. get flesh yeah that was one of the scenes where i had to cover my eyes and i was like Danielle, is it over is it over yet i don't like seeing super <laughs> gory stuff which i don't know why i watch horror movies but whatever that was your favorite scene in the movie uh my favorite scene i uh, would have to say when uh Goring decided that he was going to go down on the platform and he went up to uh, Baharat and then asked him to help him basically and their little connection and then like them like actually going down and he was Baharat was like kind of like the one that was sticking up for like his idea I guess and like helping him to achieve his goal and it was kind of like the climax of the of the movie it was Probably, like, the one glimmer of hope in the very, very crappy situation, so. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I really like that, and also I really like the scene with the panna cotta, where, where they meet. Like, it's so, the scene itself is kind of absurd, which is why I liked it so much. They go down to the levels, and they see someone, this man in a wheelchair, and Goring asks Baharat if he knows who it is. And he goes, who is that? And he's like, it's a wise man. And I was like, okay, I guess you don't need any more context. <laughs> and then the wise man basically tells them that in order to like really get their message across to the people in level zero, which are the people that prepare the food, they should send back a basically a, like a very nice dish completely untouched. And in that particular set of food, it was a panna cotta. And so they decide... Um, to leave, as they're going down levels, rationing the food, they leave the panna cotta untouched. But the moment that I like the most is when the wise man, quote-unquote, tells them that the panna cotta is the message. And he says, <laughs> la panna cotta es un mensaje. And that's what he says. And they just, like, I don't know why that was so funny to me. It's just, like, it sounds so absurd, but at the same time, it fits, like, it, it makes sense, you yeah. know? That would be a way to get some sort of message across and... It's funny just how many times they keep on repeating to themselves as they're going down the levels, like, the panacotta is a message, the panacotta is a message, and they're just, like, holding tight to it. So, Danielle, how would you rate this movie? Oh, um, I would say that I will give it a 9 out of 10 Samurai Pluses. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought it was, like, different than a lot of the stuff that I've seen, and I was, like, 
so glued to the screen and what was happening. And I appreciated that I cared about the characters and what was happening to them. Whereas some horror movies, they don't really, you don't, they don't give you a reason to care about the characters. And sometimes they make you hate the characters, like the characters are idiots. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I felt for the characters and like what they were like going through. It's just, I thought it was a really well put together movie. I give this movie 8.5 out of 10 Panacotta. Um, I also really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was put together really well, like Danielle said. Um, Very unique plot storyline. I don't know if it's based on any sort of book or anything. I don't think it is. But as far as an original um, concept, I thought it was really good. The only reason why I say 8.5 and not 9 is because I would have liked a little bit more context about the world outside of the whole Um, I think that that would have helped me care a lot more about the characters themselves. Um, I don't know. I'm just somebody who really likes to get the full picture when I'm going into a movie. I I appreciate when some things are, like, left up up to interpretation. But I think that if we were to know a little bit more about what was going on outside of the whole, that we would have a better understanding of, you know, everyone's story and why they were there and why we should care, basically. Because we don't know if there was some sort of, like, maybe it was, like, an apocalyptic scenario. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can only assume why people were in the hole. But there isn't there isn't really any information about what is going on outside. So I think that was the only thing for me, personally, I thought was missing. Other than that, I just, I really enjoyed the movie and I, I really recommend it. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.